I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 70, and our book is The Bookkeeper's Skull by Justin D. Hill. It is the story of a young enforcer sent out to a mysterious town where their grain reports haven't been coming in on time. And there's murder. Murder most foul. <laughs> Don't worry, everything's fine, though. Um... We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via our channel, YouTube, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read this book, definitely check out the book and the questions before listening to this episode, as we'll be talking about the book in great detail from start to finish. Including who With the killer that, is. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Dramatic music. <laughs> With that, let's dive in. First... Did you like the book? I did. I had a good time with this book. I did not. I had the opposite. I could tell by your text, and I think you were shocked by my response because you didn't <laughs> say anything. I saw that, and I was like, cool. Um, I did not like this book. It was... It reminded me of... I really like when people feed like the entire collected works of Jane Austen into those AI bots and then have the AI bots spit out a short story because they're generally funny, right? Like it's like 70% accurate, but like parts of it just don't work. Um, this reminded me if you like fed a bunch of horror novels into a AI bot with some Warhammer stuff thrown in and then had it spit out a story. It did not work for me. It, it, was, it wasn't that discombobulated for me. Good, I'm glad. What part stood out to you? Oh, man. You know, there were a few things. A lot of uh, really good insights. I thought, too, you know, just uh, things in general. Um, like uh, Enforcer Howe's assessment of unworthy. Of course, you know, I knew unworthy was not the killer because that's... Who obvious, you know, and also like some cult maniac. Come on, that's they're not going to be like killing people in the dark. They're going to be <laughs> doing other things, you know. Lots of there'd be more of a bleeding than anything else, especially with this cult. But I loved. Uh, uh, he was surprised that you know this guy was uh, obviously former nobility, and he had become a serf he's like he was different from most of the holy men i had met who care more about their earthly progression than souls like these <laughs> i don't think i'd ever see which we've seen a lot right huh which we've seen a lot right. in stories i don't think i've had i don't think i had seen a member of the ecclesiarchy ever take up the life of a serf it was way more natural for them to adopt the role of overseers so fitting that and at the very end when he's like i am much too selfish to be a martyr I'm like you know what i'm there with you i think i am too <laughs> yes i liked that um one of the jokes that i make a lot of times about the chaos gods mm -hmm. is like especially like with nurgle i am way too vain and ocd to worship nurgle same with slanesh way too vain also zinch R right so I did like that when he's like, oh, I am not going to be a martyr. I was like, same. <laughs> I'm glad to know that the people in the Warhammer 40k universe are having these same conversations that we are. 
yeah, that not everybody wants to die in the glory of the emperor and and all that. For me, one of the biggest things that stood out is that I forget what groks are. When they describe groks, I always picture a giant cow. That's actually, I always thought of like a buffalo type animal, you know? Right. And so, but then when they were describing them, I was like, oh, everything. I always just forget that because of the way they describe them, right? So I was always like, oh, I always think of them as giant cows. And then when he was describing it, I was like, oh, no, no, no. They actually are super dangerous lizards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, The whole like. (laughs) <laughs> the whole like oh yeah we we have to um we have to lobotomize them mm-hmm. to farm them or ranch them effectively oh hmm. i always did kind of wonder about that <laughs> you know like the servitors right or like the uh the the really big large one when they're like oh no 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 we do not lobotomize those otherwise they won't fertilize the eggs it's like oh man Life in the 40k universe is hard. It sucks, man. It sucks. Um, I did. I did really like that one. Um, mostly because again, it's like the ambles. I always forget what ambles look like too until like somebody's like, "Oh yeah, with its big tusks," and then I'm like, "Oh right, yeah, yeah, those things are bad." Well, so the, just the word amble and the way they're describing them, and they're talking about eating them and with their fur. I was like, okay, it's like a big ox is kind of what I was it, thinking. And then they were talking about the mandibles, and I was like, wait, that's just weird. And I think I ended up looking it up. I was like, it's a giant ant person thing. That's just weird. Rocks are like giant alligator type things, but like... Nightmare fuel alligator. <laughs> I mean, alligator is delicious. Alligator is delicious. Which that's what now I'm going to, now that we're talking about this, I'm going to picture that being every time people talk about eating grok, somebody be like, oh, right. Yeah. Fried alligator. That does sound good. It sounds pretty good, actually. It's late at night. Like, I could go for some fried alligator. I wouldn't say no. no. Some really nice remoulade with it. Anyways. Oh. There's a lot going on in this book. Let's let's try to piece it piecemeal it out. You already mentioned unworthy. What's his role in the narrative? Did you did you find him compelling? Did you like him? Well, no, I didn't like him. I don't. I think any the sanguinary cult stuff I think is bonkers. Uh, I just I I don't like pain, so I can't imagine like slashing myself for blood. No, just no. And again, that's too vain. It's going to leave a scar. Um, but I don't like anybody like him. He, re- I mean, he was such the stereotypical cult leader of these, you know, random factions. Except that, you know, he actually believes that what he's doing is for the emperor. Like, I think so many of them start that way before they realize, oh, no, we're actually a corn cult in the end. Uh, or Zinch. I always love when I see the leader of a cult for the emperor that's decorated in pink and blue. I was like, yeah, that's, that's zinchy, y'all. <laughs> this is not going to be for the changer for, of ways. Right. This is not going to be really for the, the, the emperor. Um, so no, but that also knew he was like some sort of a red herring. I thought they they tried to throw a bunch of red herrings, even though it was in the, title although it got to the point though that when they because they kept talking about the simeon skull 
And when the guy was like, don't touch it, I was like, I wonder if that's the skull that they're talking about. It wasn't until later when it really started, I already pieced together, you know, it was, it was the servo skull. I was like, oh, so it was like that obvious of a skull. It wasn't like something else. But at the same time, you know, it was like, but why the skull was doing it became more interesting to me. And in the, in the end, so that was like, to me, the big whodunit was why the skull was just, you know, haphazardly just murdering, murdering people. It just goes on a murder spree. But so unworthy was just one of those red herrings, I think, to, you know, it was just another example also, I think, of showing that there's something wrong with the land. Because they even talk about that later, that after they cleared all that out and they sent people out there to refarm and more cults came and it got chaotic again to the point they finally had to be like, no, we just, this is, this land is just not, no one can be out here. I, uh, so one thing that I really hate, and I don't know if, I don't know if accursed land tropes are as overdone in England as they are here, but like ancient alien burial ground, ancient Native American burial ground, like ooh, cursed land tropes rub me all kinds of the wrong way. So that could be an explanation for him. The thing that I couldn't wrap my mind around, though, was why they didn't just kill him to begin, like from the get go, because well, on one hand, you're right. Sanguinary cults are a thing, mm -hmm. right? And we've seen them before. Um, he's deliberately stopping the production of grain and resources, which is heresy. So, like, the guy is... He, he's not even subtle or coy about being a heretic. I mean, he flat out says, like, he doesn't want our labors. He wants our prayers. Oh, okay. Like, literally anybody else would have shot you because that's heresy mm -hmm. so the fact that it takes him as long as it does to kill him i was very relieved that was a so again the, the way the way i saw it was like first of all the bookkeeper that was there was a weak bookkeeper um, yes like he could not i mean and he didn't want to ruffle any feathers and i think that the no. laborers there so like the overseers they were too worried if they killed him it would spark a revolt and they Mm -hmm. couldn't handle that so i understood them it was shocking and i think that the bookkeeper like convinced um what's his name torino Taran, uh what uh torini you know to not do anything because he's mostly mm -hmm. harmless it, it, it's going to be okay and it wasn't until like things just got pushed when the near riot happened that finally torini was like that's it like we're, we're done with you but it wasn't even torini it was um it was how it was how because Torini was already dead, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At that point, Hal's just had enough of it. Yeah, it's like I'm done All. with everything that's going on here. Uh, basically, anyone who's crossed me, who's not doing this, you're all, you're all going to get killed. Um, yeah. So to me, the reason why this cursed land thing like didn't bother me because at least it wasn't like an Indian burial ground. It wasn't like oh, this is an ancient land. Like we don't have no idea. They don't even know why this land is like this. It just, it just is. So, I was, so I hated, I hated that that trope was in play. But actually, the one thing I did like is so I've always said this about Stephen King. One of my favorite Stephen King books is Pet Cemetery, and one of the reasons I like it is that if you recall when they ask, well, why does the cemetery bring things back to life? Mm, it just does. Like, not everything needs an explanation. 
and especially in the Warhammer 40k universe, right? Not everything needs an explanation. And most normal people will go their entire lives without getting an explanation, right? So, like, I think we had talked about that with um, Steel Tread. In Steel Tread, they go that entire book. They never even confront the big bad. They never talk to him. They never hear his big overarching plan because they're just grunts. Mm-hmm. That is not, theirs is not to reason why, right? Right. I kind of liked, like, as much as I didn't like that the trope was in play, I did like that they weren't like, and this is what it is. Look at this. Here's a big exposition. I did like that. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't really need to know why. Like, there's obviously something very wrong about it when they're talking about the name, which I'm going to assume was the original Xenos name for it. And when he, they talk about saying the word, how they're like, that's not a good word. Right? So, like, okay. I don't know if it was Xenos or just, I don't know, some crazed heretic. You know, because they talk about how some of those words, like the unwords and stuff, like when you hear it, it's just like, you just, you, you feel wrong. Like, I even talked about that, I think it was in the, I don't know, the Ravener series, where when when the administratum is basically tricking all these people into going through all this, all these words. And when it's, when a word comes up that makes them go like, Oh God. And they start getting nauseous. Well, then they figure out that's one of the N words. And by the way, you're going to be killed now. Uh, but you know, they, but they talk about how those words will have power and with those different cults and everything, how it just feels wrong. Yeah. And I liked that. I liked that concept. Um, that I thought was interesting. And it also really didn't need that much of an explanation other than to just be like, yeah, this land is cursed. Now, having said that, it did still feel like just a little... This book reminded me a lot of Spider-Man 3. There were just a few too many elements at play for me. But that one, I did like that they didn't go into an explanation because I was kind of waiting for that in the ether. I was like, okay, here, we're going to find out what happened. Point. I did like that. So... Let's talk about one of the other super creepy figures. Gamble. Okay, because what I... What was up with Gamble? Uh, just when I thought that Warhammer 40k couldn't make the idea of servitors creepier, they introduce a child's toy that used to be a human. so messed up like like i like i didn't need to like think clowns are creepy enough as it is like it didn't scar all of us you know when we were younger even though that was a terrible movie but still it still still scarred us um yeah no i did not need this in my head um i didn't oh god i had a love-hate relationship with this because on one hand i didn't like it because I was like, oh, that's low-hanging fruit. Clowns. Uh, but on the other, Gee Haley, I think, was the first to... It was in the Gee Haley book, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was in the Gee Haley crime book. It was the first book where I remember them really talking about servitors and how there's maybe a little more sentience needed to make them function. Mm-hmm. And that was a terrifying idea. And I feel like people are really running with that idea, right? To really pepper in that there's something not quite right with some of the servitors. So that was kind of what I got with Gamble, was that 
yes, he's a servitor, but like when he talked about his violent fits and his rages that he would go into, I was like, oh, that's, that was probably not a well done servitor. They left just a smidge too much sentience in that one. No, and it was just interesting, like, you know, it just kind of shows in a lot of Warhammer 40k that the wealthy, the world is just their playthings. You know, oh, this criminal who's going to be lobotomized and turned into a servitor. Let's make him a child's toy because that's not creepy. Did anyone see Chucky? No? I mean, come on. And it, I think it also shows how clueless or maybe just blasé yeah. they are because the world is their about... playthings. But not only that, he talks about, like, he talks about having to hide under his bed because Gamble was in another one of his fits. Like, who, who leaves that with their child? People who I can't guess, be like, bothered to raise their kids? Like, I guess they're just like, well, he hasn't killed him yet, so it seems fine. Or like, or are they just so disconnected that that message never gets to them? Like, oh, well, my house servants would tell me if the toy was dangerous, wouldn't they? Like, it's also, you know, a perspective from a child's mind at the same time where things can seem there much, is that. much scarier than they actually are. But his mother did seem like very hands off. <laughs> very, very, very. Um, did Gamble add to the overall story for you? No. Other than his... And this was, I think, the part that really I didn't like. Was the very heavy-handed, the dream sequence with Gamble when he's like, they forced them to repent. I was like, well, yeah, obviously. Like, I think we got that. Um, I, I found that to be a little, like, that didn't serve anything, really, other than... Other than to remind you that the world of Warhammer 40k is somewhat dark. And as you said, there are pretty callous people if you're on the upper echelons. Like, more callous even than some of our elites. Well, it also just might have been a um, slight nod to the Servo Skull. You know, like maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were forced to, I mean, especially hearing like they were forced we were forced to repent. Okay, let's see how much this guy really repented and apparently didn't let go. Or how much sentience does the skull still have? Like, that's just fucking creepy. But there's a reason why I've never liked the servo skulls. Of course, I'm not a skull person, so that's a big part of it. But if I, but I'd have to say the cherubs are definitely the worst. I hate those. I can't handle the cherubs. The that cherub creeps me out. I can't, I can't do it. And I, and I I think that's a lot to do with um, it might be a lot to do with being a mom and um, honestly like after having two miscarriages when I see stuff like that it really bothers me it just grossly bothers me so it, like it's just repugnant on a totally totally different level for me and then the service goals are like right underneath that and then servitors right underneath that. The, the cherubim creep me out a lot. I was actually kind of half expecting one to show up in this book because they were just kind of throwing all of the creepy things in. The cherubim bother me. Like, I don't even have that emotional connection that you have. And I still, 
I find them very repugnant. Now, having said that, I know that we've had a couple of our listeners who have said that they actually find them kind of funny. Like, because one of the explanations, and I think it was Panny Mauser who gave this to me. I will shout out to her on this one. Um, the explanation was that because it's like, it, it takes the 40K universe to an extreme, right? Like, look at this. Like, they're using babies as servitors because that's where we're at in life. Like, that's how over the top it is. That Then it kind of goes around the horn for her. Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense disagree but understand it makes sense right well the servo skulls don't the servo skulls haven't really bothered me the only one that did bother me was um also in gee haley the uh freighter matthews servo skull well just because it was his favorite you find out what it's from yes that's yeah It's one thing to just be like, here's a servo skull. And you're like, awesome, thanks. It's another thing to be like, this was John. John and I were really good friends. And now he's my servo skull. Isn't that nice? That was like as creepy as, do you remember uh, in the Telltale game, The Walking? Did you ever play The Walking Dead, The Telltale Mm -hmm. game? Okay. So when that guy who ends up taking Clementine and he's he's like, I can't wait for you to meet my wife and opens up the bag and it's her skull that's in there because she's still zombie and she's still talking like no 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 and that's very similar very similar it mm, there's something a little like they generally don't bother me unless you ascribe like a personality to them or a person to them like oh yeah this was john I feel like hamlet yeah. going this is york <laughs> york serves me right um it, it's weird like that part gets weird as long as it's like random skull yeah, I, I don't know what that says about me personally, that I'm like, no, no, it needs to be anonymous. <laughs> you know what that says about you? It says that you don't care where your chicken comes from as long as you don't have, as long as it wasn't your pet and you had to watch it get killed. Okay, that's true. And I have always said that if we actually had to hunt for our own meat or like acquire our own meat, I would be a vegetarian. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Maybe, well, no, I was going to say maybe a pescatarian, but whenever we used to go fishing with my in-laws, I cried every time they killed the fish. Um, that's me. So, too much of a city kid, having grown up in the country. I, yeah, it's exactly what that is. I can't have knowledge of where this thing came from. Um, but I, I don't know. The, I think, yes, Gamble's whole purpose was there to tell us a couple of things that we already kind of had figured out. Which made it a little hard for me. Did you like the main protagonist, though? Rudger, not Rutger Hauer, Howard. Rudger Howe. Did you like him? Uh, yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah, he, I mean, you know, a kid trying to prove himself. The youngest of three trying to, mm-hmm. you know, fight for that inheritance. And he's really trying right. to prove himself on his first assignment. And he's just coming thrown in, like, really way over his head. But he ended up commanding it pretty well in the end agree with that i would absolutely agree that he does take charge you kind of expect him to turn into that that callow child and instead Mm -hmm. he's like all right i'm in charge here he's better equipped than i think he thought he was right well i think it was you know tarini's death he was just like all right you know what i'm done playing around here you know we tried to do this the nice way and <laughs> now you guys have gone too far 
I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Were you were you invested in it, like that whole story about like his brothers and his father and his rise to becoming chief enforcer? No, uh, because that to me seemed like it would be something down the line. Like maybe that was going to come in like later books or or something like that. But it didn't seem like too crucial like for the story. Uh, the only reason why I appreciated him saying what happened with his brothers is because when he said, and my mom died a month later, I'm like, can we like get some info on that? So it was a way to wrap that loose end up. And so that I appreciated. Right. I, I think I wasn't that invested in it because it was more of like, I don't even know that we really got to see him as a character up until that end. Right. He's just kind of, there and kind of reacting to stuff until the end when he starts to take charge and he and I really think I think you're right I think part of it was the death of that guy but I also think it was part of when all of the people leave when he's like no no no, you need to stop you need to stop and there's something that just kind of clicks in him right and all right by god I am going to (laughs) like I will assert whatever authority I have here I'm gonna let everybody know that these people have left and abandoned their posts Mm-hmm. and we will establish some order here. Like he didn't panic. He didn't freak out. That was when I felt like we really got to know him as a character and actually get to see him. Um, But we, similar to what you just said, like, I don't know that we necessarily had enough information. Like he told us, yeah, you know, my, my dad liked a lot of different women. He got sons from different types of women. This is where I'm at in life. Oh, Okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, when he's like, oh, I killed both my brothers, by the way. Okay. I kind of assumed you were going to, but okay. Right. I mean, it was kind of leading up, or at least not kill them, but, you know, ruin the reputation or right. s- something. Exit them stage, right? Right. Which he did anyway, but they killed his mom, <laughs> which is like, why? Why did you do that? I mean, did y'all... Wouldn't you rather have killed him? That doesn't make any sense, but, you know, who knows? He's... I, I wasn't sure if it was because, like, they thought he was going to be home and they got her. Or if it was because they thought that it would lure him out. Or if it was just to send a message to be like, back Maybe. off now. We already killed your mom. Right. Could be. Right. Um, Or to provoke him. Kind of like like in The Godfather when they kill Sonny. Uh, to provoke. Right this or rather when they have what's his face beat up his sister so that they will then provoke that reaction to then kill Sonny. Like, I don't know if that's what they were going for. <laughs> if so, how did that work out for you? <laughs> what, what I thought was very comical about that in the end was when he met with his dad and his dad was like, so they're dead. Yep. All right. <laughs> Pretty much like, hmm. okay. I knew it was going to um, be down to one of you. So, Okay. Right. It was like, um, not the book, but the movie version of Stardust. When Peter O'Toole is like, because he has all those sons, right? And he's like, hmm, what did happen to the two dead ones? And everyone's like, oh, it wasn't me. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> like, one of you, you gotta, like, one of you has to be remaining. You all have to kill each other until one's left, right? 
I don't know why, but as much as we bitch about bored rich people stories and how much we don't like bored rich people stories, there's something undeniably fun about that level of the callousness. Like, oh, so both your brothers are dead? Yep. Okay. I knew well, one of I you guess, had to uh, guess you're chief enforcer then. Right? Like, I, I don't know why I love that trope. Despite not liking bored rich people stories, I really do like that concept. And when it shows up, I'm always like, ooh. And I think because of my affinity for Stardust, it kind of made me then suddenly picture Peter O'Toole as his dad. Which, you know, Peter O'Toole probably will be alive in Warhammer 40k. <laughs> He's preserved well enough. Mm. Until that one I mean, rejuvenate surgery goes wrong. Oh my god. That's kind of terrible. Did you like the narrative structure? Because it's told as a memoir, right? It, like, it's mm -hmm. clearly he's telling us this years after it's occurred. Did you right. like that? Because he talks about, you know, how he's like, he's already chief enforcer and he's like, and I've outlawed mm -hmm. sanguinary cults and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know why they weren't <laughs> outlawed to begin with, but that's cool. Seriously. Like, what, what is wrong with you guys? Um, so many things. Right. I mean, these. That's the answer to that question. I mean, these agro worlds out in the fringes, you know, who the only thing they do is supply food to mm -hmm. put on the ships to go away. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so like, you know, just don't disturb the peace too much and like cause a ruckus and interfere with the ties. And we'll just kind of let you do things unless it's really overtly heresy. Then we'll get into it but you know we have these other right. murders to get into before we deal with like people just cutting themselves because they're emo or whatever um right pretty much uh, <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it i forgot the question <laughs> <laughs> did you like the narrative structures so oh okay it's a memoir right um that was okay i mean i that, I think, if I had to point to my biggest problem with the book, that was probably it. Because for two reasons. One, it removed all sense of danger. We know he survives. We know he gets out of this. Mm -hmm. So, like, there were I a couple times. There were a couple times where he's like, it's late at night. And there's that wild grox that's out on the loose. And I gotta, it's pitch black dark. I gotta run out there. I'm like, yeah, but we know you're gonna be fine. See, I, wasn't, and then, I was never worried for him. It was when anybody right. else went outside. I was like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> don't go out there. But that kind of, like, I like, I like the stories where you don't know if you're, if the protagonist is going to live or not. And yeah, but it was all told so from that his kind of point of view as well. So, I mean, it's the same thing with Eisenhorn, right? When it's told from a first person point of view, you know, nothing's so. gonna, you know, nothing's going to happen bad's gonna happen to them i guess not necessarily because not necessarily <laughs> i have read books where they did die at the end but but you know but then again like you said you know that's not going to happen because he talks about being chief enforcer and blah 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 right and i think the other thing that i kind of struggled with was that every now and then he would be like i did like i did this but i don't make that mistake anymore and i've learned a lot and i'm like oh, okay cool like, there were, there were a couple things where he was like, like, oh, like, I learned this along the way. And I'm like, weird flex, but okay. Like, it just didn't fit with what he was talking about. Like, there were a few Maybe. things, like the one where he was like, you know, like, oh, my mother, I would never see my mother alive again. Like, oh, that's sad. But then there were you a know, few other times where I was just like, 
But to me, this really came across as like an amateurly written memoir, which I totally imagine that's how somebody would, would, would write it. I mean, although I did read sometimes like Dan Brown wrote it. Um, like, and I'm not saying Justin Hill is Dan Brown. Like, I've read Justin Hill's books. He write he he writes well. I'm just saying, like this came mm. this came across that it was written by like a guy who doesn't write well, and it's his memoirs, and that's exactly how he would write. And to be honest, if that's what he was going for, doing that kind of thing is kind of hard. It's it's really hard to write in a uh, style and voice that's not your own to begin. It's with. not yours, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I will give you that. I'm. I don't know. I, for some reason, and I, I think I'm, yeah, that just, that style in general, I'm not a big fan of. And I'm a big fan of Justin Hill too. I should probably state that as well. I liked his Katia Stans books. Um, I'm actually looking over the top of my screen right now. He wrote a Necromunda book called Terminal Overkill. Oh yeah. Loved you praised that one. Yeah. Loved that book. So it's not that I'm not a Justin Hill fan. I just feel like, and I know I've said this before, horror's hard like we're like horror writing in general is very hard and i am not everybody can do it you know really i took this more as a warhammer crime than a warhammer horror because it was it really kind of was wasn't it i mean the only thing is is that the the murderer you know is a horror-esque murderer it, I mean, when you say it like that, I almost wonder if he wrote this as a crime novel and they were like, this is a horror novel. And he was like, oh, put a clown in there. <laughs> and then it was a horror novel. And that's not quite the way it worked. Um, or anyways, let's talk about the other major horror element of this book, which is the Grocks. Were the Groks red herrings? Was it too much? Like, did did you care about the Groks? Because we had so, escaped Groks. We had sentient Groks. We had mmm Groks. Well, the Groks, I just, I felt were more like, you know, an after effect. You know, because this, the that woman was, was murdered. Right. And they just, they let the Groks out. It was just like an extra, an extra thing that, that that's out there. Like, I will, like, point to... Jurassic Park Lost World and that the fact that all the dinosaurs are out loose just is another thing that they're dealing with even though their main goal is this other thing so when I say that I'm talking specifically with probably my favorite scene in the whole movie and that's the raptors in the grass because if that wasn't an homage to Jaws I don't know what is but it was just another thing that everyone is having to deal with like we already got deal these with. other problems now we got these you know wild lizards out here who can mm -hmm. come and eat us at any moment right tensions, tensions are already high now we got angry lizards <laughs> okay i guess that is a good point i'm i man i'm just full of good points for you today <laughs> well you are well it's so, again, because I really did, like, I will say that, like, this afternoon I was thinking about this and I was like, I think I hated this book. Like, that's where I was at. And I was prepared to be way harsher. But then I was like, eh, we don't typically do that. But also, like, okay, 
This like, isn't a Peter Fekafari no book, okay? Nothing is. <laughs> um, well, okay. So that was like, so I was telling my husband, I was like, ugh, I hated this book. And he was like, on a scale of one to that Requiem book. Okay, well, like, if that's my scale, this is, like, hitting it, like, a six or a seven. Like, it's not even, it's not even, like, a, well, it's, like, a nine. No, no. Um, I, I think the Grocks, to me, like, so for me, I like a good monster movie, right? I love good monster stories. They're fun, really, arguably, well, Cujo's not, but really, no, um, I hate Cujo. Uh, Pet Cemetery is actually, arguably a monster movie. You know what? That's probably what I like Steel Tread the most. Was that that was like a giant monster? Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly like that. A good monster story is fun, and it's hard to beat. So, like with this book, I feel like as though had he focused in on one of these elements, I probably would have loved it. The Groks are a good example. Along the lines of Jurassic World. Like, he could have had other stuff going on. And then at some point, he could have jumped on a motorcycle and ridden through the grass with the Groks following alongside him. And then it would have been the book of the year. Um, I hated Jurassic World up until that scene. Wait, when they're going through Jurassic the forest. Jurassic World or Lost World? Two different things. Yeah, Jurassic... Wait. Mm. I was talking about Lost World. Oh! No, I didn't... I... God, I haven't seen Lost World in forever. Sorry. Honestly, that's the only good part is the wrappers rap in, in the grass. Because unfortunately, immediately afterwards is the scene where Jeff Goldblum's daughter does the uh, high the bar. flip over high the High bar thing. act, yes, to kick the, the raptor. So and then it was like, and down goes the movie. Felt that way about Jurassic World, though. Like, the oh, whole yeah. movie kind of sucked up until that scene when they're on the motorcycle and they're going through. And I was just like. This is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Like, that's all it takes for me. We just needed to have a dude on a motorcycle with Grocks. Um, had he felt, had he focused on any one of the elements? Because the whole thing with the Grocks, I was just kind of like, okay, like there's a big Grocks in a pen, and then it, it it ate the the zealot guy. Okay. Well, I mean, that's just like, how they chose and, to to kill him. Which actually was know, like such a, we, I was always imagining we are Sparta as he kicked him down. Right. To the uh, as, um, what is that, 300? Yeah. This is, exactly, just thunk, this is Gok's Pit. Um, it just dawned on me, we haven't even talked about the weird psyker girl, because I can't even go into that right now. What did you make of the titular skull? I thought that was fascinating. Because it was, you know, some random story Torini was telling ends up coming back in full circle in the end. They're like, oh, the guy who said he's, he's going to come back for you. Well done. Well done. I, I always appreciate that because like, cause the story fit at the time. Okay. And it seemed like such a throwaway thing. So I really like that when, when, when they bring, bring that in. Right. Um, so that to me was like, okay, this is, that's when it was like, this is a really good whodunit. Because I knew it was the skull. They've been talking about the servo skull was acting weird and kept getting in their faces and like flicking the drill at them and stuff. It's just like, why do you have a servo skull with a drill and a saw? Like, what is wrong with everybody here? 
that was my problem with it is that I don't mind if you're going to if you're going to telegraph a villain that's fine but I don't like when then the narrative is like but what's going on here who could it be I mean that thing's like super creepy in it as all the instruments that match this and it's just floating off at night for some reason that's kind of weird but what's going on here like I felt like the red letter media I know I referenced the red letter media reviews a lot but the one especially for um the second prequel movie where he's sitting there screaming Palpatine's behind it like don't act like it's a mystery when you've painted a picture that's clear as day the second they introduced the servo skull I was like oh that's it isn't it and well, then, I mean, it's right there in the title, right? I mean, it's right there in the title. Right? Like, he was trying to steer you towards that simian skull, but I was like, no. Just, no, stop. Just stop with this. Um, I, I think I would have liked it a little bit better had he kept it, like, had he not been like, oh, but what could this be? Like, stop throwing red herrings. We figured it out. Now, as you said, unpack who, what, when, where, why, and how a servo skull is killing people. Well, not only that, but there's all these weird and things then going this, on. Yeah, I mean, the straw man. I mean, yes, the the servo skull is weird, but okay, whatever. Silver servo skulls are weird. We have the sanguinary cult. We have Grox on the loose, and we have this weird little witch girl. We have people showing up dead, uh, and yeah. a straw man always appears by that. So, like, why? I don't know. Why not? Because um, it's creepy. Right. It's like, you know, a little voodoo doll, right? It's pretty much kind, mm-hmm. kind, kind of kind of what it is. And so I could see where they'd be like, where we know. The thing is, I think that we know it's the skull because the title of the book, honestly. Well, and because he, like, I mean, he pretty much just, like, draw. Every time that skull comes into the screen, he throws a giant spotlight on it. And then takes it away, but it's like, we saw that. I think that was my big problem, too. Had he, like, had he toned back or dialed back some See, of the stuff I, with the servo skull? It didn't, it didn't appear that way to me. Mm. Fair enough. I, so, like, you, you don't like things that you've seen before. Mm-hmm. I don't like things, when, like, if I can suss out the killer... As soon as the killer is introduced, that to me is, I'm like, nah, I'm done with this. So that was, I think I would have liked it had there been less of a spotlight but on the you skull. See, or but, had they focused on the unraveling of it. But you see, it's not though, because yes, it's obviously the skull, but the big killer is why the skull is doing it. So that's why it won over for me. I usually don't like it either when you can like identify the, you know, who's done it or you can figure mm. out the end like way, way before but but the fact that it was okay yes the skull but why is the skull doing this and when you suss out why what exactly is the skull that's what sealed it for me right there that's like okay that's the who done it right and i could see that i just needed i needed more focus on that like i would have been i would have liked it a lot more had he been like Oh my god, I, I think it's the servo skull. And then he's trying to figure out why, because it would have been kind of interesting if you had a guy who was like, I think the servo skull is killing people. Because if you said that, I think every other person in that room would have been like, Are you high? Right? Because the natural assumption, like we saw that in that Gee Haley book, mm-hmm. back over my shoulder. Um, we saw that in that Gee Haley book when they're like, I think maybe a servitor killed a person, and everyone's like, No. 
impossible. Who would ever heard of something so stupid? Right? That I think I would have enjoyed more. Um, but the servo skull in general, I will say that I didn't like the execution, but the concept, um, I'm, I'm kind of here for a murder servo skull. I mean, Murdo skull. I didn't think anything of him not immediately coming to the conclusion of the servo skull because he thought when he killed unworthy, that was going to be it. But when they kept on happening, he's now just like, okay, now I'm confused. Now I don't know what's going on. And a revolt was happening. So and I've got the little girl from the ring who keep is corporeal, but isn't corporeal. I don't know. I mean, that like her mom is now dead and she's a drug addict she wasn't and okay so i have no idea what what's been happening here everyone's leaving the harvest is not going to happen like this is so bad so i didn't think anything of it when he didn't immediately come to the conclusion wait what if it's the servo skull because he had so many other things going on for sure what did you think of creepy little ring girl and her mom and the whole Obscura subplot. That Obscura subplot was, was fascinating, to be honest. And, and just in that, it just was like another layer of the onion to show what was wrong with this place. So many things were wrong. And I really liked Tarini sussing out that mystery with with that whole thing. Um, the little girl... You know, it's not the first time we've seen something like this. My big frustration with her was that she knew what was going on. She knew it wasn't a he. She kept saying an it, but then she wouldn't tell anybody what it was. Like, honey, if you know what it is, why aren't you saying something? Maybe no one will believe you. That's possible. But now there's this enforcer here who's talking to you. He probably would believe you well or at least look into it she's calling him the straw man and straw men appear at, at you mm-hmm. know victims pl- around victims the straw men appear after like the little the little effigies yeah. appear and then the actual straw men appear so it's like even she like she knows what's going on but she doesn't know what's going on because she keeps calling it the straw man well in the end those basically had nothing to do with the servo skull mm-hmm Maybe. Maybe. I got strong feelings on all of that that I don't even know how to process right now. But, like, you're right. Like, you have a little bit more information, Pumpkin. And you clearly can, you can clearly communicate. Like, she wasn't, like, speaking in riddles or anything like that. Everything was crystal clear except for that. Where she'd be like, oh, the straw man's doing this. Oh, okay. Like... But everything else that you're saying is totally coherent. Right. And the thing with the Obscura, that was one that I I struggled with that because when it happened, I was kind of like, why do I care about this? I don't... He's a drug dealer. She's a... I don't... Well, he's okay. a drug addict. She's a drug he's dealer. He's a drug addict. She's the dealer. Okay? But I think that was just, I don't... That was just part of Torini because he was so confused about why this guy suddenly dropped dead. So right. he's also trying to suss out because that was because they were friends. So he's trying to suss out what happened there along mm-hmm. with what in the world is going on with, with everything else. 
So right. it was just a whirlwind of stuff trying to figure out that was like too much for two enforcers to handle on their own. For sure. And I will say, the only thing that I liked partially about that is that I have always hated the CSI shows because they come to the murder victim's house and there's blood on the floor or there's old traces of blood, right? On the floor. And clearly that had to do with the murder. Did these people never cut themselves shaving? Did their kid never leave something on the floor and they stepped on it and they cut their foot open? Like, I always have a problem with that because everything, mm -hmm. every clue that people find, it relates entirely to the murder. This I thought was really interesting because you're right. There were like things where they're like, now all of a sudden there's Obscura addicts and there's a cult over here and there's Groks and none of this has anything to do with what's going on. So as a reader, I kind of found it frustrating. But then on the other hand, I was like, I am glad that not everything revolved around this one central point. Right. That these guys are trying to figure out what's going on here. And some stuff is just bonkers because it's the Warhammer 40k universe. It is all bonkers. And none of it's clean cut. I will give it that. That that was, yeah. You know, you saying that's made me think of uh, Hawkeye's speech to Scarlet Witch and uh, oh, Age God. of Ultron. The no, city no, makes sense. The city is is flying, and we're fighting an army of robots. And I, I got have a bow, and, bow arrow. and arrow. None of this makes sense. <laughs> I loved that. I, that is easily one of my top 10 maybe even top five favorite marvel moments yeah. because that's his speech and he's just like if you need to sit in here that's fine i can't babysit you though so just chill and i'll be back but i love that when he's like we're fighting robots i got a bow and arrow <laughs> none of it makes sense that is very much that does fit with that very well i i can say that about I, a lot of warhammer 40k <laughs> The city is flying. Fair. Right. <laughs> There's tiny exactly. robots. Somebody could have a bow and arrow. It doesn't make any sense. But like, right. this is where we are. Welcome to Warhammer 40k. Pretty much. It's bonkers. And it's funny because as much as I like some of the books that are bonkers, this one just didn't click with me. Hmm. Um, and I like the Warhammer line. I do, the horror line. I do like the horror line. I just... There's been a couple misses for me lately. Get David Annandale back in here or Josh. Ren oh, never mind. Too soon. Always too soon. Or Phil Kelly. Phil Kelly wrote that great ghost story. Like I would more of that, please. I don't know. It, and by the way, just write more Necromunda, dude. Give me a sequel to Terminal Overkill need that in my life i though i am glad that we did a horror novel to take a break from our regular scheduled program so that we can get back into our regularly scheduled program of well this one's probably going to be a little crazy too because it's astro militarum and it is talking about the krieg i'm talking about the krieg happy shovel noises mm. i'm really excited for this book um, I, the Krieg are such a fan favorite with memes. And I think a lot of times they do kind of just get boiled down into crazy cloned gas mask people. I don't know I'm anything really about them. 
My first time <gasps> ever seeing excited. the Krieg was when um, I first started getting into a little bit of Warhammer and it was when Chernobyl came out and there was this great meme that I have and it showed like it was like the actual like I guess cover art of the show Chernobyl and it said Chernobyl or as the Krieg call it Tuesday. Exactly. I am really excited and I hope I hope you can flesh them out a little bit more and give them more personality and stuff. I like this idea. Like we just read the one about Steel Tread, which was with the heavy armor guys, mm -hmm. right? Which I feel like they don't ever get enough love. We've got the Krieg one. There's a Katachan book coming out soon. Obviously we've seen the Cadian books, right? And Steel Tread was arguably about the Cadian regiments too. Right. I'm kind of excited for this. I'm here for fleshing out the infamous Militarum regiments more. I am here for that. My well, envy just read, uh, you know, Volpone Glory, so we got to see like another side of the Volpone. Yes, which was also very interesting. I liked that one. I did like that one. My expectations were thoroughly subverted in that one. Um, so I'm excited for Krieg. That should be a good one, and it is available for our fans who listen to audio only. It is available in audio only. Oh, for some, for some I thought you picked it up. I was like, it didn't have green pages, but <laughs> it did not have green pages. Although which... I think it would be more brown pages if it was going to be be anything brown, rubberized, gas masks. No, thank you. Do they have faces under there, or is it just a gas mask? Is it are they just born with the gas masks now? That would actually kind of be hilarious. That would be kind of funny. If they're like, oh, this, this doesn't come off. This is my face. You know, kind of like, you know, the, come off. the chaos, the chaos Marines, how the Ew. helmets just kind of meld to their faces. Ew. I don't mind telling everybody that that is one of the details that bothers me the most. And Lords of Silence, when, uh, what's his face was like, I can still take my helmet off if I want. I was like, again, weird flex. <laughs> So, you know, I'm not too corrupt yet. <laughs> Why the well, I think it's like clothing? the, I think it's more the Zinchies, the Zinch ones that have the trouble with the helmets coming off because the way that they change, like, you know, the horns kind of grow out. Not, not that helmet's not coming off anymore. There is that. But like, if you ever seen some of the Death Guard figures, they have like maws that are clearly like through the helmet, like they're... I know that this goes without saying because it's Nurgle, but you're never getting that clean. <laughs> but do they want to, though? Did I mention I'm too way too vain to join Nurgle's army? See, I think the thing for me was not the, I guess I'll take my helmet off, but it was when they were walking around, they talked about the sloshing, sloshing! in the boots. I was like, you know what? Okay, I, I can't. I can't. I, can't I literally it. can't even. Ugh. No. Thank you. Do you want to take us out, Carrie? Yeah, with, you know, that cheery note about... With that cheery note of sloshing. Sloshing, right. <laughs> You've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding The Bookkeeper's Skull by Justin D. Hill. Be sure to join us next time for Krieg by Steve Lyons. 
We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books, so please stay a while and read from our crag. I'm still off areas. Don't get you this chartreuse. No, get it. It's fun. It's a fun little whodunit. I would not lead you astray. She secretly paints Death Guard, so she totally would. She just claimed she's Alpharius, and then she's like, I wouldn't lead you astray? Yeah, totally. But your whole ethos is astray. I don't secretly paint Death Guard either. Harsh. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>